When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dan Lobby here with Mary Kay Cabot, Douglas, Maurice, Ashley Bastock. We are recording an emergency Baker Mayfield pod. Uh, we knew this was coming at some point. We weren't sure when. Uh, it happens a few hours before Mary Kay is about to board a plane and leave for London. So, <laughs> Mary Kay, uh, catching your breath here. Um, I guess your initial reaction, t- tell us exactly what the trade is, and then just your initial reaction uh, to this trade happening, finally getting done with Baker Mayfield going to the Carolina Panthers for a conditional pick. The Browns paying a pretty good chunk of that salary. Well, my initial reaction was I'm glad this wasn't at eight o'clock uh, tonight when my flight is actually taking off. We've been joking about this for weeks, how we know that Baker and Deshaun were going to happen uh, right away while I was trying to, uh, to get out across the pond. And, um, and so initial reaction was like, Oh, I can do this. And so i uh, but anyways, it, just in terms of the trade, I um, I knew it was coming down. The, the Browns and the Panthers really had uh, agreed on the parameters of this trade for the most part uh, some weeks ago. And, you know, I have been writing that this is still likely to happen. So I at least I hope I did our listeners and our readers a service by trying to steer them down the Panthers road. So this had been going on for a while. What they had to do was come up with the right salary structure, who was going to pay what. I'm sure that had a lot to do with Baker trimming $3.5 million off of his base salary to get this thing done. But uh, he has an opportunity to make that back in incentive. So uh, he should probably be able to do that because he's going to be their starting quarterback. I mean, he is going to be their starting quarterback. He's better than Sam Darnold. Now, just in terms of this ends all these months of speculation that perhaps Baker Mayfield is going to come in here, bust open more beer coolers, start in place of Deshaun Watson for the year. That was never going to happen. Okay, that wasn't going to happen. We tried to manage expectations that way, too. uh, But I think a lot of people hoped against hope that he would somehow end up saving the season for the Cleveland Browns. So this puts the end of that speculation. And at his youth football camp, when he said, both sides want to part ways everybody not everybody but a lot of people heard him say oh there would have to be some reaching out they forgot the part about both sides are done both sides were done the minute the browns went to visit deshaun watson and um and that that was basically it baker was done at that point and and it was over doug i I don't need to remind you that we did pod after pod after pod talking about a potential Baker Mayfield extension last offseason. It was something that at the very least, whether you thought they should do it or shouldn't do it, was at least a discussion. So now the Baker Mayfield era is over. I mean, what what's your sort of initial reaction here? I mean, knowing that this was coming, right? It's sort of weird to talk about. We knew this was going to happen eventually, but now it's happened. 
And I think maybe now it it allows everybody to sort of uh, move on, but also embrace the past, right? That he was an important figure for the Browns. If if they go on and do something great in the next couple of years, he will have played some kind of role in helping this team transition and helping this franchise sort of change who they were. And it it got ugly at the end, but I don't. I don't know that that's what everybody will remember first about the Baker Mayfield era, right? That I think, I think they'll remember when it came in against the jets. And I think they'll remember, you know, how good he looked in the second half of the first year with Kevin Stefanski and that kind of thing. And that um, I think in the end, people will have some pretty good feelings about this. And I also think this is going to be interesting for Browns fans. I think you can be a fan of the Browns and be a fan of Baker Mayfield, because I think he's going to be pretty good at times in Carolina, just like he was here. Will he lead Carolina or any team he leads in the future to a Super Bowl, which is what the Browns are trying to do? I would say maybe not, but will he be a competent top half of the league starting quarterback, maybe a top 12 starting quarterback? Quite possibly. So I do think fans are going to sort of have to prepare themselves, but I think this has been so angst-ridden. It's sort of nice that this part is over and, you know, I think since like Andrew Barry, you know, saved a little bit in the cap and got at least got a pick and, you know, it's not terrible. So this is I think this is almost like a, um, it's the difference of this is not a funeral for Baker Mayfield's career in Cleveland. Now it's a celebration of life for Baker Mayfield's <laughs> career in Cleveland. Right. And it, it didn't last as long as you thought it would. But there are things to celebrate about his time here. And maybe now that it's over, that's what people can think about instead of this angst of the past, you know, 12 months or whatever it's been. Ashley, that Jets game feels like it was a decade ago. I know. <laughs> I can't even like, I'm like, wait, when was that again? Like, ah, I feel like I was in my youth then. And no, it was only like a couple of years ago. Right. But um, I mean, everything that Doug's saying is kind of right on the money, right? I mean, we've been saying for a long time, like maybe Baker Mayfield's not the guy, but maybe he was the transitional guy. And maybe he's a part of this story um, of the Browns getting back on track and, and getting to a Super Bowl finally after all these years, but maybe he's just not the main character and that's okay. Like you need really interesting side characters in, in journeys like this. And maybe that's Baker Mayfield. And, and I do think, you know, we've talked about like maybe the pendulum swung too far in the opposite direction with people's feelings on Baker Mayfield and thinking he's, he's not good or, or whatever the case may be. But I do think, you know, it's a recency bias of how things ended. I think there's so much that he did for this team. And, and yes, opening the coolers was a long time ago compared to that Steelers game where we're seeing five or six passes getting batted down and him getting sacked nine times. Uh, but that is still as much a part of his story as this, you know, the last handful of games he played with the shoulder. And I think he got deserved criticism for those games. Right. But um, sometimes it did feel like the pendulum swung too far in the opposite direction. And, and maybe it's OK that he's not the guy to get it done for the Browns because he he was the one who started that journey maybe at the end of the day. So let's talk about the trade um, and what the Browns ultimately got what they ultimately did in this deal. So Mary Kay, it's a conditional fourth round pick and the Browns are paying Baker Mayfield ten and a half million dollars to not be a Cleveland Brown anymore. So I, I mean, I can't sit here and say it's a particularly good trade in the sense of the logistics of it. I just think it's a good trade in the fact that this needed to be over, like whatever it took, it just needed to be over. But the trade itself, what do you think of, of kind of what it ultimately ended up being? 
Well, they cut their losses. They had to cut their losses and get out of this. They could not have any more bad blood. They could not have any more bad publicity. They have too many things on their plate. They have to put their focus on Deshaun Watson, and they just had to get this off the table. And so they basically kind of cut their losses. I mean, nobody wanted to pay this much money to get Baker Mayfield out the door, of course. Uh, Now, it is a conditional fourth round pick. The lowest it can go is a fifth. Of course, if he starts the games that he is supposed to start and does what he's supposed to do, it should be the fourth round pick. And we'll have we'll know more about that as time goes on. But he's going to be their starter. He's going to start against the Cleveland Browns on September 11th in Carolina in the opener. What more drama could you want for that? It probably will be or very likely will be Baker Mayfield versus Jacoby Brissett, but not not a good trade. Uh, just in terms of what they got back and what they had to pay. But uh, sometimes the intangibles make the deal. And that's what it is here. They needed him to be gone. And, um, you know, this is an opportunity for him. And I do agree with Doug. And I know you guys probably feel the same way. Baker Mayfield, you know, did some great things for Cleveland. He was a fit here. He was what they needed or what they thought they needed at the time. I disagreed with that at that time, Uh, but it's what they thought they needed to pull this team up out of the doldrums. And now, of course, you know, he's going to have an enormous chip on his shoulder. He functions very well in those kinds of situations and we'll see what happens from here. Doug, I mean, your thoughts, go ahead. Well, I think I had, we reached the point where, Anything short of just having to cut him and eat the whole salary was a win, right? I mean, is that, is that, that's no, no, I don't think, no, I don't think so. I think that's going too far. There were enough teams interested. The Panthers were interested. They could have hung on to him and waited. I just don't think that was ever on, you know, on the table to, to just cut him and eat 18.86. But this I, isn't, I, I mean, I, this isn't that much better though. Well, they're saving eight million in cap, they, right? They and they got a fourth a, rounder. Yeah, they get yeah. sort of a okay draft pick, and they they save some they're, money, but they're saving eight million dollars on the cap. That's significant. That's somebody's redo. That's a player that you can sign. So that's that's significant. It's not what you wanted to do, obviously. Uh, and and if it does turn out to be a fourth round pick, they've been actually doing pretty well. Uh, with some of their fourth round picks. So if they can get that out of him, at least it's something. It's better than, uh, you know, just a comp pick. It's better than keeping him hanging around. It's better than cutting him and all of those things. And I do think like you look at Carson Wentz, right? It was two thirds that Washington paid Indy to get Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz stinks. So like you try to compare, okay, that versus this, well, that's two thirds. This is only a fourth plus the Browns are paying 10 million of the salary, but it's, it's not the same. There's more animosity here. There's more injury here. And I, I, and I think you gain something by not having him here anymore. Like if they had reached the point where if we were somehow talking about Baker Mayfield when camp was starting in <laughs> August, right? I mean, that's a cost. To, I think there's a, a possibility that somehow that hurts the football. So you, there, I thought, I think there was a line in the sand. I just don't know that it, you know, hold on to him into the start of the season and maybe another team loses a quarterback and now you can get a better pick. I mean, I think there's a possible football cost to that, that there's just this weird vibe around the team or whatever. 
So that's a win. And so you have to live in what the world is now. This feels pretty good to me. A fourth round pick and you're saving eight million bucks. I I don't know that I thought they'd do that well. So this the trade itself feels like about as good as they could do. Ashley, what did you think of the deal? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in Doug's corner right now. Like, I, I just worry in general about this team and the distractions that kind of surround them coming into this season. And most of that is Deshaun Watson related, right? And and we've talked about it and guys being forced to get up there and answer questions. And and they obviously had nothing to do with the deal in most cases, or in all cases when you're talking about players. To add Baker Mayfield on top of it, I think is just a lot. Like, this is already going to be a lot for this team to kind of have to tune everything out and and go about their business. This was another layer on top of it. So I just think overall, just to have it done, like, it's one less thing for everyone to worry about at this point. And and like Doug was saying, like, there was a point where I'm like, I, I don't know that I would have predicted that they would have been able to even save this much money because it just seemed like for the longest time, like, eh, like how much leverage do they really have? And, and you knew there was going to be a point where that turned. Um, so I just think it's it's good to kind of wrap up this chapter and, and you don't have to worry about it now when guys are in the building three weeks from now. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I just want to clarify. I'm not saying like it's a terrible trade or, oh, my God, they shouldn't have done it. I'm just, uh, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, ultimately, they get a mid-round pick and they're paying somebody $10 million to not play for him. And you know what? Like you guys have said, it's better to be paying him not to play for you than to have to deal with all of this noise on top of the Deshaun Watson, uh, on, on top of just everything that that happened that is still happening with Deshaun Watson. And, you know, it, it, you have to go back and, and look at them actually picking up the fifth-year option for $18.86 million and how now that the view of those kinds of things in light of what happened here with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, uh, you know, who had his fifth-year option also picked up at $18.86 million. You don't have to do that anymore. You know, you just don't have to do that. And that proved that proved to be a mistake. I mean, I think they... Probably they felt they had to do it at the time, and it seemed like the right thing to do. Uh, but this will change the. Uh, there will be a little bit of a sea change in in fifth round options after this. You think it was a mistake to pick up the fifth year option that they just shouldn't have picked it up, and he would have been done here, and they would have got nothing well, for what him. What I really think is that they should have had a better, more thorough evaluation on Baker Mayfield, so that they could make really wise and smart decisions and i think they kept hoping against hope uh that that he was going to be the guy that could take them to the super bowl and i think they thought maybe he wasn't and they went ahead and and picked up the option anyways because because the thing is i mean this is the whole series we did right it's very unusual to pick up the fifth year option on your first round quarterback without extending him right you either kind of had you've usually either bailed already and you figured out in the four years, oh, it's not him, like with Sam Darnold, or you sign him to an extension. It is not normal. So, but really, they just needed more time. Even if he was healthy, we don't know. It might have been, well, we still need to see the fifth year before we decide. It's very possible. That's when you think about, oh, they they had to pay $10 million and they only got a fourth-round pick. It's it, There's a world where they pick up the fifth-year option. He plays his fifth year. They're like, well, he's still not good enough. He's not a Super Bowl quarterback. And that's it. And he's just gone, right? And they got nothing for him. And they paid $18 million for 
pretty solid but not good enough quarterback play in 2022 and it's the end of Baker Mayfield in Cleveland that was absolutely on the table you know if, if the injury stuff hadn't happened so I think in that context it's like well you didn't get that much it, it maybe was going to be over here regardless unless he proved in year five with the healthy year that he was a Super Bowl quarterback so um I, I think in that context you know that this ending isn't that terrible, you know, all things considered. If he's not, if he's not a Super Bowl quarterback, then this isn't a terrible outcome. I, I mean, I, it's a $10 million but, mistake, greater Right now. I mean, I but, but but if they but if they had not picked it up, right? So they don't pick it up and his career ends after four years here, right? It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to do that. You can franchise, you can franchise them. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be the end. I I just think the strategy, you know, will change now going forward. Like it did with, with Daniel Jones, you can let it play out and see what happens. Same thing with Sam Darnold. Now, then you would let it play out. And if all of a sudden they were amazing, then you can franchise them. So if they would have let it play out, they didn't pick it up. They let it play out. He has the year he had, he's injured. Then it just would have been over. Mm -hmm. So he's not here. You don't get a pick. He's a free agent but they're not on the hook for the 10 million they're eating here. Right. So it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, basically uh, they spent about $10 million for a, what they hope is going to be a fourth round pick. That's not the worst outcome in the world. And and I think it's important to note um, because this is one of those rare instances where it feels like this team maybe didn't quite have everything fully planned out in front of them, that that was the first time that class with Darnold and Baker and all of those rookies, that was the first time that as soon as you picked up the option, it became guaranteed. So there was no, there were no warning signs. There was no like, Oh, remember when this team did that and they, they got stuck. Now the Browns probably in the previous CBA, it was guaranteed for injury. So it probably would have ended up getting guaranteed anyway, because Baker was hurt. And so that, that option would have become the Browns probably wouldn't have had an out um, like they would have otherwise, but we're seeing it now with Daniel Jones, Mary Kay, right? That's one of the examples is if he's not the guy, if you're not sure about the guy, you almost can't guarantee that money because we're seeing that it's almost too much to move. And even, even Kyler Murray, his option is $29.7 million for Mm -hmm. 2023 as are, is everyone super comfortable paying Kyler Murray, guaranteeing Kyler Murray $29 million in two years? I, I think we're going to see a more cautious approach with these fifth-year options moving forward in this class because they're the first one under the new CBA it is going to dictate that a little. If they wouldn't have picked up the option and they would have said to Baker, hey, we're not going to pick up the option, but like, hey, if you're awesome, you know, if you're back in year five and you're great, then we'll franchise you. Like he would have been cool with that. Because like Daniel Jones, I don't know. He's from Duke. The Giants stink. Nobody likes Daniel Jones. He has no. But like Baker wouldn't have like freaked out. Like, because I do think there's money in sports, but there's also like the cost of doing business where, oh, you could have saved this money. But like also if it's a weird thing that you're doing, you might blow up the possibility of it ever working out by trying to save the 18 million. And sometimes you just have to just like when you sign a guy who's old to a long contract, you're like, well, the last couple of years, he's going to stink, but we want to keep him. We have to do it. It's just the cost of doing business. And I know you're saying, you know, there, maybe it's changing. I'm not sure that it's just the cost of doing business that you had to pick up the fifth year option. If you wanted any hope 
of him being in Cleveland long, long-term you just know, because I'm not, of the way things work. I'm not too worried about hurting players' feelings. They're doing a job. They're getting paid to do a job. If they do the job, everything goes great. If they don't do the job, then things don't work out the way that they want to. So I would not have worried about uh, hurting Baker May- Mayfield's feelings on that, just like the Giants weren't worried about hurting you know, Daniel Jones feelings. Baker Mayfield wasn't worried about hurting the Browns feelings when he asked to be traded after they said, you are our starting quarterback for 2022. Let's roll. Um, he, he wasn't too worried about that. So I, I'm not worried about that at all. Well, you're not worried about it, but would he be worried about it? Cause I do think, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, if it affects his play on the field, cause he's so ticked off at the franchise while you're trying to work it out, then I think it does matter. Like I just, gone. I, but then, okay. I, I just think there's sometimes, and I just think Baker is not like a lot of other players because I think the whole Baker makes it personal. I don't think it's just a business and that necessarily applies to Baker Mayfield for good and bad, which we I've said on this pod before. So I just, with him as the number one pick, the way things have worked out, all the things, I just don't know that they could have gotten away from what they did. So um, it didn't work out, but I feel like, they kind of saved it the best they could save it. And the bottom line in the end is if he's not a Super Bowl quarterback, then we were reaching this point anyway. And then everything else is just how much angst is there and what exactly are the financial and compensation logistics around it. But if he's not a Super Bowl quarterback, he wasn't going to be here long term. I have two big picture questions I want to ask. Um, and, and then I know we, we've got some time constraints here. So the first question, um, Ashley, I'll start with you here. Where's Baker Mayfield in five years? In five years? <laughs> you Man. don't have to say a team. Just okay. what what scenario, like what does Baker Mayfield's career look like in five how, years? Remind me, how old will Baker Mayfield be in five years? Uh, he'll be in his 31, 30s, 31 I believe. I think right now, how we're talking about Baker Mayfield, I think Baker Mayfield has already hit the peak of his career. He'll be 32. I, I think we're coming down on the other side. And and I think the the injuries, I, I mean, this is good. This is a huge turning point, right? I just think obviously he's going to a team now where the roster isn't what it is. This is going to be another wasted year for him potentially because it's not the same kind of roster. He doesn't have all those luxuries he had in Cleveland. Um, and then after that, the last two years, I'm like, is he going to wind up in as good of a roster situation as we had already seen? Like, I don't, I don't know that we're going to have the same kind of fanfare around him just as he starts to get up there in age and with him probably being unable to produce the way he did in the second half of 2020, just because it's all, I think, going to start to pile up at a certain point and teams are going to be less willing to give him a chance. Now, at the end of the day, that might not be fair to Baker Mayfield, but it's the NFL. And I think it's certainly a reality. I think he was kind of at the height in 2020, leading this team in particular to the playoffs for a team who hadn't been there in so long. Um, And I just think the Browns kind of realize that. I think there are limitations in his game, again, that go beyond just the shoulder injury that have to do with his size, that have to do with his processing, that have to do with his ability to make downfield plays, all of those things. And now it's about have these other teams figured him out and can he counter that? And maybe he can, but I just don't know if he's going to wind up in a good enough situation to like win a Super Bowl, like Doug was saying or anything. I think maybe that ship has kind of sailed uh, once the Browns decided to go this way. 
Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with him that uh, it sounds kind of bleak, I guess, but I don't know how it gets like to the levels that it got to in 2020. Like I would be kind of surprised if that happened. Okay. Maybe this is another way to, to ask it too. Doug and Mary Kay, you can take this wherever you want, but is it more likely Baker Mayfield is quarterbacking a playoff team in five years or on the SEC Network's pregame show? You know what? Hey, if Colt <laughs> McCoy can hang around for this long, if Case Keenum can hang around for this long, if Brian Hoyer can hang around for as long as he did, I mean, he might not necessarily be a starting quarterback that's going to take you to the Super Bowl, but he can have a very long and productive career where he bounces back and forth between starting quarterback and backup quarterback. And in the right situation, I still think he can play winning football, given excluding the fact that defenses may have caught up to him enough. Okay. If they have really taken away what he does well, the boots and the rollouts and those kinds of things and minimize his effectiveness, it'll be hard for him to be a really good starting quarterback in the NFL going forward, but you can hang around for a long time. So I think if I had to, if I had to make a guess, I would say he'll still be in the league playing some football or being a backup. I think he's, Definitely in the league. I think he's much closer to being on a playoff team than being on the SEC network. Like Ryan Tannehill, is that crazy <laughs> that, that like, like much better than a backup. And one of those guys where it's like, no, yeah, yeah, no, we can win with him. We have a good running game. We have good defense. Yeah. we. Oh no. Can't, no, we can't. No, no. I think we can't. No, he might be an MVP candidate. No, no, no. We need to replace him <laughs> like that kind of like, oh, he's, one year, he's like the quarterback of a 13-win team. And then they lose early in the playoffs. And the next year, it's like, oh, then he has a bet. Like, I, I think he has good football ahead of him. And the thing that's going to be hard for Browns fans is, I think he has good football ahead of him. It just wasn't going to be here in this scenario. The way this version of the universe worked out. Like Mary Kay said, he's better with a chip on his shoulder. Like, he couldn't have a chip on his shoulder in Cleveland anymore because he had enough success. And then... He's mad at Cleveland, which is creating the chip to go be somewhere else. He's going to be better in Carolina this year than he would have been in Cleveland, I think. Even if the Deshaun Watson stuff never happened, although eh, people doubted him last year, he would have had some kind of chip. But I just think, you know, this is how this unfolded. But I don't think it's Drew Brees. I don't think it's Drew Brees leaving the Chargers and he's eventually going to be a hero in his next city, the way the Saints got with Drew Brees. So if Browns fans are like worried about that, I don't think it's that. I think there's a very, very small chance of that. But like good, solid, middle of the pack starting quarterback five years from now, I think that's quite possible. I don't think you need like a team just to kind of like what you're saying, Doug, like almost be removed from this a little bit and think that they are thinking out of the box and being like, what about this guy? Like we could maybe do something with this guy. Now I don't know that that will ultimately be his fate. I don't know that that would work out, but you can see, I think a team attempting that, but I just don't think it's ever going to like reach the heights, the way it, the way it did here on the field. Tannehill's an interesting comp because of the way things went in Miami. He even led them to a playoff berth. Um, and then he gets traded to Tennessee and, and sort of finds the right, the right spot. Uh, a good coach, you know, he's 31 years old, his first year in Tennessee, you know, good coach, a great running back, you know, good weapons, a good system that, that fits him. You know, so, sometimes he looks like an MVP, like you said, Doug, and other times he looks like he did in that playoff game against Cincinnati. Um, that, that's if Baker Mayfield ends up as that player, I don't think it would be surprising. And I don't think it would be all bad because Ryan Tannehill's made a lot of money uh, doing that. 
But I also don't think I don't think Dolphins fans are like, oh, Ryan Tannehill. Right. Why didn't we keep like it's he's good. But also Miami's fine without him because they tried to get a Super Bowl quarterback and they could draft Justin Herbert and they drafted two instead. But like they've they've moved on. And like, I think it's quite possible that as weird and as messy as this was, like everybody's OK in the end that the Browns will move on and Baker Mayfield will move on and they'll both have their own versions of success without each other. And that's OK. Okay, I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried about asking this question 27 minutes into this pod, but I, you should I, be. <laughs> Mary Kay knows where I'm going with this. I think, I think it's something we need to ask, and you know, maybe this ends up being a separate pod unto itself. But what did John Dorsey get wrong in 2018? He got the. Pick but I mean, what? I... Not not the pick, but what did he misread? Like, why? Why did he get it wrong? I'm holding up this little piece of paper and I wrote down John Dorsey, John Dorsey. And I wrote John Dorsey over here too, because (laughs) I did not want to get off this pod without uh, talking about the fact that uh, John Dorsey, you know, he picked the wrong quarterback. He should have picked Josh Allen. It was, it was pretty evident in my mind, at least that Josh Allen had tremendous upside potential was a dual threat quarterback, extremely mobile had improved his accuracy accuracy a thousandfold and was continuing to work on that. And John Dorsey only had eyes for Baker Mayfield. He made his decision in October. He told us that he wasn't even on the job yet. He was at home working out of his basement. Uh, he put his head together with um, Dan, help me out. I'm uh, forgetting Scott, it. Scott McLuhan. Scott McLuhan. He and Scott McLuhan put their heads together. And they fell in love with Baker Mayfield. They thought that he was the next Brett Favre. They fell so in love with Baker Mayfield. They had no evaluation, no true accurate evaluation of Josh Allen. They basically didn't even entertain Josh Allen. And it it was, it was a mistake back. I felt that back then. And I feel it to this day that John Dorsey had the number one pick in the land and, and he blew it. And he, he did not take the right quarterback. So (laughs) I think it was, I think it, I I disagree with that as we've discussed on this many times. I think Josh Allen's accuracy questions were real. There's a lot of people with a Josh Allen profile who have not gone on to improve their accuracy the way that Josh Allen has Um, the way the bills developed Josh Allen, the structure that was in place, what we saw happen in Cleveland I don't know that he would have gotten developed the same way that they've had consistency in Buffalo that has been able to bring out the best in him. And Baker Mayfield had a lack of consistency in Cleveland. Um, And I think, I think Baker Mayfield clearly did not reach his ceiling with what you thought that version of of him could be. He wasn't as accurate in the NFL uh, as he was at Oklahoma. And I do think that position for the Browns, there was a boom bust potential with Josh Allen and, and Baker like wasn't a bust. Right. I mean, Josh Rosen was a bust. Sam Arnold, right. Darnold, the way it worked out was a bust. Um, you know, you could have taken Lamar Jackson there, too, but that just really wasn't the conversation as much. So he's kind of an in-between guy in that draft. And I think for as long as the Browns waited for that quarterback pick, the boom bust potential, man, if you just would have had a guy who just like Allen just gets here and is throwing it off the side of the building, that would have been disastrous. I think you thought that the floor was higher with Baker Mayfield that at least he'll be decent 
at the worst because he's a little bit older. He's experienced. He is pretty accurate in college. So I get it. It didn't work. It's inexact. I think other people, I don't think John Dorsey is the only person in the world who would have made that Baker Mayfield pick. Didn't, weren't there reports that the Patriots like Baker Mayfield in that draft, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think it was, I don't think it was a crazy person pick to choose Baker Mayfield. Clearly some people would have picked Josh Allen. Mary Kay would have picked Josh Allen. Mel Kuyper would have picked Josh Allen. NFL GMs would have picked Josh Allen, but I don't think it has to be, I, you know, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not like Sam Bowie, Michael Jordan, right? I, I don't know that we go back and I don't know that this is like one of the 10 greatest misuses of a number one pick in NFL history. You know what I mean? Like Josh yeah. Allen's better than Baker Mayfield, but I don't know that it is like disastrous because I think Baker Mayfield's pretty decent. And I think there were reasons to believe that Josh Allen would not become the guy he has become. Yeah. It's like, for me, like basically what you're saying, Doug, but it's that Baker Mayfield was a lower risk, but ultimately that therefore he was a lower reward at the end of these years that he's been here. Um, And we've talked about this before because he was older when Baker Mayfield got to the NFL, he was already kind of what he was. Like, I think there was maybe only so much developing of him you could do in these early years. And it's because of age. And again, time and time again, we've talked about, why this Browns regime goes after the younger guys they do. I think being able to develop them the way they want is kind of a big part of that. Um, So for me, I just think like you're saying, it's like maybe there was more of a risk with Josh Allen at the time or more of a perceived risk. And maybe he did just wind up in the right situation in Buffalo that he was able to kind of become the Josh Allen that we know. And maybe he wouldn't have been that same Josh Allen here, but I think at the end of the the day, the possibility for reward with him was higher. And maybe John Dorsey was more focused on, on the things he really liked about Baker Mayfield and the fact that there was less of a risk there than some of these boomer bust guys that were hanging around. So, so let me ask this, is this, is this a lesson for future, future aspiring GMs? Um, when you are picking a quarterback. So Baker Mayfield coming out of college, right? There was the accuracy, but there wasn't anything with Baker that was like, whoa, I can't believe he can do that. And the two quarterbacks that have worked out in that draft both had something that they were elite at. Josh Allen, the arm strength, Lamar Jackson, just an incredible athlete um, and and his ability. And and look, I mean, Lamar Jackson, nobody saw that coming. The, The Ravens passed on Lamar Jackson once before they finally took him. Kyler Murray, who I mentioned earlier, we don't know what he is. When he's healthy, though, we think he's pretty good. He's an elite athlete. He's got a great arm. Um, Joe Burrow is a little bit of an outlier, but the Bengals maybe just kind of hit the lottery and him being what the Browns thought Baker could be as far as leadership and kind of being that Pied Piper. But then Justin Herbert, right? Just this elite level of arm strength and, and accuracy. These are guys that have these elite traits again i don't doug maybe you just i don't i don't know that joe burrow necessarily was a guy that was like a traits guy but it almost feels like we're to a point where if you got the number one pick or you've got a high pick and you're going to use it on a quarterback even going back to patrick mahomes or and deshaun watson you know and, and mitch trubisky going in front of them deshaun watson and patrick mahomes had elite traits it almost feels like maybe that's where the mistake was and maybe the NFL is, is going to start to figure that out. Well, I think everybody underestimated Josh Allen's dual threat ability. He looks like a linebacker and, you know, he, and he has incredible 
athleticism and he'll run you over and he'll run through you. And I think everybody underestimated that he was hated by the analytics world. Uh, And I've talked to guys in the analytics world that said, we just didn't see that side of it. We just did not take into account the playmaking ability that he would have with his legs. And he has been sensational in that regard, obviously. Um, But the other thing I think that it's important to note is some of the things that didn't play well in the NFL were some of the reasons why John Dorsey and Scott McLuhan loved Baker Mayfield. Uh, We will probably do, we could end up doing a whole pod on this, but I spent, you know, three days at the senior bowl and I watched him move around and I watched Josh Allen move around and I watched them throw the ball and I watched them, uh, you know, be accurate, inaccurate at times for Josh. Uh, I watched all of that. And I came away from there thinking that Baker Mayfield had some major maturity slash personality issues that might not serve him well in the NFL. And those very things that I left, that I walked away there with grave concerns about are the things that John Dorsey and Hugh Jackson loved about him. They, they wanted a guy like that. They did not want a nice guy necessarily. They wanted a guy that was going to yank this team up by the bootstraps and pull it out of its doldrums and get it to where they wanted it to go. That's one of the reasons why Sam Darnold kind of was dropped off pretty early. They just felt that he was, he did not have a strong enough personality. So those guys loved the fact that he had this abrasiveness and all the things that they watched him do. I mean, John Dorsey, I think the, you know, the crotch grabbing game or the flag planting situations, those were things that endeared Baker Mayfield to John Dorsey. He loved that about him, loved that kind of a gritty attitude. And in some ways it was a good fit for Cleveland in the beginning, you know, Cleveland fans identified with that kind of stuff and, and did love it. Um, but it just, I, I saw things there that, that had me very, very, very concerned about leadership and just the ability to be a really, really good pro. And so I think that's another thing that was missed. And I do think what fit the franchise then that one in 31 franchise, right. That in the doldrums as bad, the worst franchise in the league. I do think what they needed then and wanted then is different than what they would need now or want now in a quarterback. Right. So I, I don't think, and it's like kind of what you said, Mary Kay and sort of what we said, he might've been like kind of the right guy in some ways at that moment. But I think where things fell short is as the franchise matured, maybe he didn't mature sort of with the franchise mm-hmm. and he also like didn't consistently improve. Now the injury year is a huge problem. But I think, you know, you look at a lot of quarterbacks have like a good start, then they kind of regress a little bit and then they pick it back up. And right when he was starting to pick it back up, then he got injured. And we don't know exactly what that path is going to be like. But I do think it was reasonable to think that like he would have continued to get better and be like super accurate by now in a way that he wasn't last year, partially at least because of the injury. So um, I do think the Browns were like in such a bad state that maybe they leaned on some of that stuff. But again, I mean, I thought that's what the franchise and the city needed at that moment. And so now we're talking about, this is one of the best rosters of the NFL. Do they need that? But like, maybe he didn't progress beyond that either. So um, I, I understand what Dorsey was thinking in that moment. Right. I, again, I don't think it is. Um, 
I don't think it's indefensible. Like you're right, Mary Kay. Like you're right. The Josh Allen people are right. But I don't think the Baker Mayfield evaluation was crazy. And I don't, even looking back, I don't think it's like, oh my God, like John Dorsey will never get another job. How could you do that? It's it just Josh Allen's clearly better. No, I, I agree with you on, on all of that. Um, but there is another area very briefly that I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention. When Baker Mayfield was coming out of Oklahoma, he would have been an outlier at his height to come into the NFL and succeed. So there was some floor there. Uh, this wasn't a situation where he was your prototypical quarterback who had some elusiveness and yet could stand in the pocket and deliver the ball. Uh, he, he came into it being a short quarterback. And in order to succeed in the NFL under those conditions, you have to be really exceptional, exceptional in some areas. And I thought maybe the accuracy would be enough to, for him to be that outlier, that, that exception to the rule. Um, but to be short and not fast and not mobile, you're, you know, it's going to be tough to really succeed at the highest level in the NFL. So I do think when he came out, he would have had to have demonstrated for them that somehow, some way he was going to be able to overcome the height issue. And really one of the only guys that I can think of that has been able to do it, you guys know who I'm going to say is Drew Brees, right? I mean, the other guys you know, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray and those guys, I mean, they're running quarterbacks. They're run around like crazy. So there really only has been one and he is a hall of famer. And so I don't, I don't think this was a no risk proposition. I think that if you put all of Josh's attributes over here and all of Baker's over there, I think there was equal risk. Ashley, you, uh, we'll, we'll give you the last word here. Oh gosh, that's so much pressure. Um, no, you know, I was just thinking as Doug was talking, like the the one quote from Kevin Stefanski that always comes back to me, and I wasn't even covering the team yet at the time, but that personalities are welcome quote that we've heard so much about, but that, you know, they, they're willing to accept that. And I think overall, when we look at the Browns, like we maybe think of Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski as like, you know, not liking that personality as much. Like, I I don't think they mind it. And like, we've seen it like with guys like Miles Garrett, right? Who's like, okay with speaking out and, but he produces on the field. And I think they just got to a point with Baker Mayfield where these things were being said that personality was coming out, but that production just wasn't there anymore. And they just didn't think, I don't think that that production could ever get there in the way that they needed to, to, to ultimately help the Browns succeed on the level that they want to and that they think the rest of this roster is capable of doing. So I just think like, it's easy to, you know, question all of this in hindsight, I think, especially, but it's kind of easy to see with the regime change, like why this all transpired the way it did. And, and you add in the injury on top of it. And that's why we are where we are on July 6th, 2022. And I, and I will, of course, have to jump in and take away Ashley's last <laughs> do word. It, just do it, Doug. I knew you were going to anyway. I, I just want to touch on something that Dan said, like the Joe Burrow thing. Joe Burrow is bigger than Baker Mayfield and is a better athlete than Baker Mayfield. But that's a version of it, right? That 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 Burrow's traits probably aren't as good as Justin Herbert. So if Justin Herbert's the Josh Allen of that draft and Joe Burrow's more like the Baker Mayfield, and again, it's not an exact comparison. And he just went to the Super Bowl in year two. Like it worked perfectly. And he got hurt in year one. And then it was okay. They also gave him a receiver that he played with in college who's awesome, right? They leaned in. They had a bunch of different pass catchers that they could rely on. Their defense wasn't very good, but they leaned into the passing game. He had the same head coach both years. Like the, it, 
traits are, I think, going to rule the day, right? If, if they were already ruling the day for you, Mary Kay, right? Which was right. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Take the big, fast, strong athlete and figure out the rest. Make the big, fast, strong athlete accurate rather than hope that the accurate guy can overcome his lack of athleticism. But Burrow worked, and that's the ultimate. That's what the Browns were hoping for. So it's not impossible for that to work if you're a great leader and super accurate and all those things that Joe Burrow is and that Baker in the end wasn't. So, you know, I I think traits rule the day. And, And for me, right, this would affect my next time I evaluate quarterbacks, right? This was an example of traits winning. So is, so is Patrick Mahomes. So is Justin Herbert. So I think that's smart, but Joe Burrow wins because he's a pretty good athlete and pretty good size who's super accurate and is a great leader and everybody rallies around him. And the Browns thought maybe they were getting that and they didn't. Can I steal back the final word from Doug once again? (laughs) This is just really quick. We would be remiss if we did not shout out the person who I replaced on this beat. Ellis Williams, you're right. Who is back covering Baker Mayfield once again? Baker Mayfield to Rashard Higgins. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Ellis Williams will still get <sighs> being, to write about that connection. Being protected by Austin Corbett. Mm-hmm. Oh my that, God! For real? Yeah. The big four back together. <laughs> you know, so. it's so funny because I remember you know Rashard and how he he and Baker built that chemistry together. Uh, during training camp that year, Baker's first year, just by repping it over and over on the second team. And I remember uh, Richard was smart enough to like really get close to Baker Mayfield. He said he, he used to call himself Baker and Emily's son because he was over their place all the time. And he made sure uh, that, that Baker did not forget about him uh, at any point. So it's just so funny that they're back together. And at least Baker has somebody that he feels really good about throwing the ball to, at least in the early going. So we have go. to get a group photo in camp of Austin Corbett, Richard Higgins, Baker Mayfield, and Ellis Williams. Just everybody on the field with their arms around each other. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. I like it. It's it's perfect. All right. So the Browns uh, trading Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers, our emergency podcast. Um, statements from the Browns just set out. Interestingly, um, I'm sure I'm reading too much into the statements from the Haslams and Andrew Barry. That's it. I'm putting them in the story right now as we speak. And then I'm going to clear off this dining room table of all my stuff to pack for London and go to the airport. Just, just one, one significant name that I would have expected a statement from in that group, but we didn't, we didn't get it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's, on, maybe he's, maybe he's in Europe. Yeah, yeah. He might, he might be on the beach. Or maybe, something, but, maybe I'll you know. see him over in London. Conspiracy Dan in full effect here okay. to wrap up this emergency podcast. Okay. Mary Kay, Ashley, Doug, thanks for doing this. Uh, of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. So these things hit the feed as soon as I have published on them and you won't miss them. Uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify is where you can get subscribed. I will talk to you all later.